Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Croc Talk TV. I'm your host, former NFL, NFL defensive back Eric Crocker. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about Julio Jones, the trade to Tennessee Titans. I think some of us saw this coming. It obviously is one of the ideal landing spots for Julio Jones. I noted that in a segment you know, about a week ago, you know, but a lot of people saw this kind of potentially coming about. I have a special guest here today, my guy. Joining me again for the second time in what, less than a week? Jason Aponte. What up, baby? Hey, man, you asking, and we talk receivers. It don't matter what the day is, man. You can have me back to back, triple the day is. I don't really care, honestly, especially when it comes to my favorite player in the league being moved today. So, so Julio is your favorite player, huh? Julio Jones? Yeah. Yes, he is. Why? I mean, I, I, Why? I've been how? banging. Wait, how? So, how? So, uh, you know, Atlanta Falcon, 49er fan. But, when you think about a wide receiver that you could build in a lab and you start to think, well, well, how do you make this wide receiver? Well, you give them massive size, massive strength, massive speed, can run every single route, never does anything outside of the game, never complains, makes incredible catches on the regular, seem normal. Julio Jones is built in a lab, and he's always been my favorite receiver since he came in the league, honestly. It's just... How can you think about making a receiver in Madden? If you made him, you probably will get close to what Julio Jones' skill set offers. And he's been my favorite player since he joined the league, honestly, Croc. I think, obviously, he's a terrific player. He's one of the freakiest players. I mean, going back, if you kind of look at what Atlanta used to move up, I think a lot of people kind of forget that part, right? Like, Atlanta traded up to get Julio Jones, and they gave up a ton. And there were a lot of people that were like, wow, that's way too much for a receiver. Obviously, it hasn't been. He's been amazing uh, throughout this process. I think I was thinking about it today, like, man, when it's all said and done, where is Julio Jones going to rank? And um, this guy I was with, Mr. Smith, um, I was talking with Mr. Smith, and he, and he had said, yeah, he reminds me of some receiver. And I was like, well, really, I think he's more like Terrell Owens. When you think of just yeah. this really big, physical, and fast receiver that outruns everybody, great run after catch, but that physical brand of football, I think it's kind of like Terrell Owens, but without – Getting all the extra stuff that T.O. might <laughs> might bring. So I that's, love T.O. That's another thing. That's another thing that I bump Julio up for is just being about his business and being professional the entire time that he was there and yeah. being asked no matter what. Even in a year when he scores, I know that the stupid, the stupid narrative and argument around him is that he doesn't score touchdowns. Whatever, honestly, you're talking about. Yeah, that's fine. A hundred less touchdowns. That's fine. You're talking about the most efficient wide receiver in the game for the last few years, honestly. And it has to do more with just luck at, at certain points. So if you're going to use the touchdown argument against Julio Jones, I don't know about that one, honestly. You really have to like go back and look at it the, the right way, I would want to say. Obviously, Tennessee lands uh, Julio Jones today. They traded a 2022 second-round pick. They traded a 2023 fourth, and they also got back a – or not they, but uh, uh, damn, I'm tripping. Tennessee traded the, the second and the fourth next year, but got back a sixth for yes. Julio. Was that did that align kind of with what you thought the draft capital might have been to get Julio? Well, I think realistically, what you should be looking at is how much did Tennessee take to pay him? Did Atlanta, Atlanta still eats? I think about seven million dollars worth of dead cap as well too so that's something that you also have to consider when it comes into this because it's not like the the Tennessee Titans are taking on this full cap hit I don't know if it aligned I didn't think that anybody would send Julio in a sixth 
when you start to think about the compensation, that almost sounds silly. If anybody ever came to you and said, give us a second and a compensation fourth for Julio Jones and you get a sixth and we'll eat seven, who could say no to that, honestly, crack, at, at yeah. some point? But I think that there's a little bit more in play than just the compensation. I really think Atlanta was determined to get him away from the NFC because they didn't want to just hand somebody a generational wide receiver with a chance to lead you into a deep playoff run because most of the time anybody who would have been in on him was a contender. So I don't know if that has a lot, but I'm going to say that they tried to put him to the AFC. Do you think that A.J. Brown's pitch to get Julio Jones had anything to do with him landing there? Obviously, we saw like the little TikTok video where he was kind of hyping up Tannehill and uh, Chris, uh, uh, you know, big running back in between two. I don't know why. Derrick Henry. Henry. Uh, and also himself, which I thought when he got to himself, it was pretty funny. Kind of how he pitched it where he was like, you know, pro bowler in my second year. Not a big deal, but kind of a big deal, but not a big deal. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but uh Obviously, the pitch had nothing to do with it, but it was kind of a cool thing to see him kind of go out of his way to make that pitch, and then obviously this come to fruition. And I think that says a little bit about how maybe some of these younger generation receivers are thinking. I think in the, a lot of the older days, guys were thinking more me, me, me. If you bring in a guy like Julio Jones, that's going to take away some of the targets that I might get. But here you go with A.J. Brown really seeing the bigger picture, maybe thinking like shoes. Forget taking away my targets. He's going to help me and free me up sometimes where maybe teams are going to have to roll coverages to him. That was one of the questions when we got to A.J. Brown on the last episode with, you know, no uh, uh, number 84, Corey Davis. There's no Corey Davis now. You know, do we expect his numbers to go up or go down with teams being able to kind of roll coverages his way? And now it looks like they probably won't be able to do that. I nailed it, honestly, when it comes to A.J. Brown understanding. He understands, hey, I'm the only guy here. I'm going to get all the targets. But understand and have enough respect for somebody who I think he he said many times that he idolized. And why wouldn't he based on skill set and when he his age group, right? You have to you have to idolize the guys who are at the top of the game. But I think that speaks a lot to him, honestly, because he could. He's the one who stands to benefit the most from all the departures. Corey Davis, John Smith. But understanding that, hey. This works here with Julio. I'm not certain if it if pitch worked, like you said, like it doesn't really make sense. But I'll tell you this: him making that pitch and him understanding that Julio Jones, no matter how many times he passed the ball, because we know Tennessee wants to run the ball, no matter how much they run the ball or or pass it, you're still gonna wind up passing off targets to Julio Jones. But you understand that respect, and and honestly, the same thing we talked about. Now you got roll coverages, and you just can't keep AJ Brown. With, with brackets. Now you got to bracket. You, you can't bracket both of them. You just can't. It's not going to happen. Right. So this is the best wide receiver duo in the league, and they haven't even taken mm. a snap yet at this point. I will say that. The, 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 the group that I would probably be closest with, Evans and Godwin. Um, it would have been Ridley and Julio, but now it's just Ridley over there, honestly. But right now, if you're talking about two guys that line up on both sides, freakish athletes, I don't care what you say about how old Julio Jones is or or how washed you think he is at 32, which doesn't make any sense. They're still the best, I think, duo in the league at this point. So let's let's talk about the fit a little bit, right? You know, Julio Jones came out and said that he wanted a, a big arm quarterback that could throw the ball downfield and he could run underneath passes and all that. Do you think Ryan Tannehill can be that guy for him? And do you like the fit in the offense that has been more run heavy, leaning heavily on Derrick Henry, and now has to kind of, I don't want to say please, a guy like Julio Jones, but you got two big-time receivers that you have to get the ball to. How do you like to fit there? 
I think that it works perfectly. And I think that Julio being there, and you could correct me if I'm wrong because you would know much more about the X's and O's than this, but I think that forces a lot of teams. You're going to have to run too high. And if you run too high, now that opens up whatever they want for Derrick Henry. So this almost plays into exactly what they want to do. Everything is going to be off play action. The one thing that you could say about Ryan Tannehill is his deep ball down the field is accurate. And when they get their shots, it's based on the fact that you think that Derrick Henry is about to take the ball. Linebackers jump up, and they have that shot with both of those guys. I love the fit. It's an understated team to go to where they obviously have a fit and a need for a wide receiver. No disrespect to Josh Reynolds. No disrespect to Des Kirkpatrick, who they drafted. But Julio Jones is just different, as I, as I alluded to. So I think that the fit is perfect when you talk about what Tennessee wants to do. I know that they can't really play defense the way that they want to because last year they were, what, 28th in total defense, and they just lost a bunch of guys. So it's not like they're going to be able to play ground and pound and, and, and act like the defense is going to hold people down. But – that explosive nature off of play action is going to be there. And both of those guys, you know, they can run every single route that we talked about. So I love the fit. It, 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 like you said, it was almost the worst kept secret. It almost felt like too good of a match for, for Tennessee and, and Julio for to make it, you know, not only based on him moving out of the AFC, but based on their need at wide receiver and how that could work with AJ Brown. So I love the fit. I'll be interested to kind of find out. And we know a lot of times some news comes out down the line, like what other teams are interested and maybe mm-hmm. what other teams probably, you know, offered us, you know, covering the 49ers, being 49er fans. Do you think the 49ers kind of had any type of attempt to get, do you think they made any type of attempt to get Julio Jones? Um, maybe they couldn't match it. Maybe Atlanta was just like, well, we're not trading him to the NFC period. We want to get him out of the NFC into the AFC, but obviously in, I don't know if you heard Kyle Shanahan say when they told him, like, hey, Kyle Shanahan, Julio is traded to Tennessee. He was like, that's my second favorite place for him to be traded to. Do you think that maybe the 49ers made a pitch at at the guy? And if so, at what cost? I think they called. I don't think they made an offer. They definitely called. You've got to make the call, right? They made a call on Aaron Rodgers on draft night based on on a report from – Ian Rapp, oh, from from Adam Schefter. So you make a call. I don't know if they made an offer, but I really wanted to touch on the point that I think is the the one that you made. I think Atlanta was very intent on sending him away from from the NFC. You don't have to like again. If you send him to the NFC, you're sending him to a place that is a contender. Nobody's going to rebuild around Julio. No team bottom tier that's trying to rebuild is trying to get Julio Jones. If you're adding Julio Jones to your team, it's because you believe that he offers something to you as a contender that will lead you down the line. Look, no matter whether the fact Atlanta wants to be in the playoffs, and I don't think we think that they are going to be, but crazier things have happened. Still, you don't want to see an NFC team take your guy and have him lead you to the promised land. So I really think they were more intent on just getting him out of the AFC, I mean, into the AFC and getting him away free out of, free of mind. They won't have to see him at all. So I, I really think it's more about that than less than that. I don't, I don't think the 49ers sent anything, but again, I have no sort of hard data, any sort of evidence of, of any of those things. I just, I think they made a call like they usually do on almost anybody as, as this front office has alluded. Yeah. And, you know, with the 49ers, this kind of comes all comes into play because later in the year, I want to say it was like December 23rd, 49ers play the Tennessee Titans. Do the 49ers have enough in that game to be able to cover the likes of A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, as well as worry about that big monster in the backfield, Derrick Henry, carrying the ball? Honestly, how many teams are, are going to have a problem? It's not just the 49ers. Anybody who's going <laughs> to run up against the Tennessee Titans team, good luck to you trying to cover both of these guys as long as they're on the field. So, yeah, the 49ers are going to have problems. They're going to give – 
anybody else on the uh, on the schedule problems. But honestly, you better hope that that 23rd game isn't a game that you really need because I believe if it's not right after that, the final game of the year is going to be the Rams. And um, if let me just put my tinfoil hat on, that's probably going to flex to a Monday night, Sunday night football game based on maybe that de- the size of the division. But you don't want to go into that Tennessee game off of a short week, I believe, too, because it's a Thursday night football game. And I think they play Sunday night football the week before. So you talking about getting right off on Sunday night football and going right over to – so th- that feels like a bit of a letdown game. But any team's going to have a problem trying to guard A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry at the same time. Yeah. We just got to see well, – again, we don't know what's going to happen until the games – until the bullets start flying – until things start to happen, we're not going to know where these teams are. But as of right now, on paper, that's a difficult matchup for not only the 49ers, pretty much everybody in the league. So we know a lot about the, the offense of Tennessee and how they are going to pose problems for all these teams with however they decide to go about it. Two big-time receivers on the outside. I think that bodes well for guys like Reynolds and Des Patrick to be able to play off of those guys and the running game. What about their defense, right? Like you, you alluded to the defense being kind of what ranked twenty eighth or something like that, and that's been the Last defense year. that have been good, right? They got Ver- Vrabel, who's a defensive minded guy. That's where he came over there for to kind of instill that mean attitude and that ability. Obviously, they kind of reloaded in the secondary. They drafted a cornerback with Christian Fulton in the second round last year. This year, they went with uh, uh, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, drafted him in the first round. Do you think that's going to help them? Kind of maybe turn that page is that going to be enough to where now they're a complete team and a and a like a surefire contender and when i say contender i know there's a lot of people like is this team a super bowl contender in my head i don't look at it like that i just look like is this a team that's going to make them like this is a legit playoff team and i think once you get into the dance anybody can can win it from that standpoint but do, do you look at them as that of like okay the defense is going to be better now Obviously, the offense is going to be even better. Are they a contender in your eyes? Not really. And, I mean, the defense, honestly, they had to do all those things. They lost Malcolm uh, Malcolm Butler, uh, almost uh, – oh, who uh, – Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson. They, lost every, they lost almost every single cornerback that they had. Drafting Caleb Farley, that was good. Bringing in Janoris Jenkins, that's good. That's not enough. That really isn't, honestly. They, they don't have – they lost Clowney. They have uh, – who's going to go get the quarterback at this point? On defense, if they were 28th last year with those names, okay, you bring in these new names – I don't think that really moves the needle. So for me, moving the needle and getting Julio Jones on offense doesn't move the needle for the Tennessee Titans in my eyes. Here's a hot take. I think the Indianapolis Colts are still going to win that division, even with Julio Jones there. Even It's just they're a more well-rounded team. They've got a better defense, better offensive line, probably a better coach offensive-wise. Let's just say that. But all of that depends on Carson Wentz. So I, I, obviously I'm banking big on Carson Wentz playing well over there with Frank Reich. But I just think the Colts are a little bit more of a deeper roster when you look at them top to bottom. With Tennessee, they were filling holes, but they sprung they sprung so many leaks that one or two is not going to fill up what the issues that they had, honestly. They're missing so many people. I really think they're a contender in, in, in that way. 
And we're going to find out, man. I, see, I kind of yeah. like Janoris Jenkins. I mean, when you start talking about Janoris Jenkins and... No, I wasn't talking about him bad. I'm talking about I'm yeah. talking about you adding just those two guys. So Caleb Farley and Janoris Jenkins, as two, that's great. Those are great things. But they had issues getting to the quarterback. They lost uh, other people in the secondary as well. I'm missing a bunch of them. Trust me, I really am. They've missed that many people. So it, it's I'm not even talking bad about Janoris Jenkins because I wanted to talk bad about him when he left the Giants. He went to the Saints <laughs> and played super well and and, and that well. like shut and that shut me up so you know that that's i no disrespect to janoris jenkins it's just more about they have a lot more going on on that defense that they missed so i mean hopefully they make it up with rabel but i just i i the defense is the part that scares me the most because they were really bad last year and i don't think that those two guys really change too much like if they lose from 28 to 25th or 22nd that doesn't really move anything for me all right, so we have a, a, a question right here, and, and we'll get to some of these questions, y'all. If the 49ers stay healthy, uh, you know, we could see a great group of wide receivers, including Jalen Hurd. W what do you think about the 49ers receiving group? And, and I'll factor in uh, George Kittle into that because he is a pass catcher and a primary pass catcher. When you look at George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, just those three guys, do you like them more than Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and – you know, Reynolds and Fitzpatrick. I do, actually. I really do. And especially because, all right, I mean, I'm going to cheat here, but it's the coach. The coach is going to get those guys open. He's going to manufacture those touches. So Arthur Smith's gone. We have to see what this offense is going to look like. I know they want to do a lot of the same things that Arthur Smith did. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen. So that's really what's interesting to me, the continuity of Kyle Shanahan, with a healthy George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, which we still haven't seen, right? What was it? Maybe one game. I think we've we've maybe seen them all together actually play a full game together. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm gonna take Kyle in that in that group because he he's gonna get those guys uh, what they're looking for, as opposed to with AJ and Julio. It's just really them. Not really as afraid of Anthony Ferkser. Josh Reynolds is kind of a mid to low tier guy as far as a wide receiver. And we don't really know too much about Des Kirkpatrick, honestly. I mean, aside from what we saw in the senior bowl, we don't really know too much about him because he's never taken a snap. So I'll take the 49ers in this one. No homer. Now, what about with the quarterback situation? Would you rather have Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo to start the season? I would rather have Tannehill. Sorry, guys. And, and, and this is just straight up out of efficiency, guy who understands how to work his offense the same exact way that they want to use Jimmy Garoppolo, which is based off of play action, much more athletic too. If he has to leave the pocket, he obviously has wheels. So yeah, give me Tannehill, especially his efficiency numbers are are off the charts, honestly, at this point. Yeah. All right. And then I think this would be the last question right here. Is Farley healthy? It sounds like he's like right now he's not. Um, we know he's coming up, coming off of multiple injuries in college. Um, now, this back injury, I mean, and multiple back injury. I think he had like a knee injury, multiple back injuries. Coming off a year where he didn't even play, he opted out and still had to get back surgery. They're saying that he won't be healthy until training camp. But is that something that scares you? Okay, I'll ask this way. Mm -hmm. If Farley was sitting there at the 49ers second round pick, would you have taken Farley there? That's where you swing. I think that's absolutely where you swing if he's there at the second round. But I don't think that anybody was allowing that to happen because of the upside. The same reason that I'm saying that's a swing on the second round, those people that didn't pass on him, Tennessee didn't pass on him because they understood the upside. I, I think you said it, Croc. Uh, he would have been your your cornerback one, hands down, if he didn't have the back injury in any way. And I think there's a uh, – is, is that what – it was it him or was it uh, – you were talking no, about J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn? Horn was my, my, my Horn. Right, okay. the whole right. time. But, no, I mean – I, but I did say if somebody were to tell me that 
Farley was the best cornerback in the NFL in three years, I wouldn't be surprised because I think he possesses right. that type of talent. So he still was like a little bit raw. And again, you can teach those things. Um, I'd have to find out what type of person he is. Is he willing to put in that type of work? He definitely has the most confidence <laughs> I've ever seen with a guy. Um, well, JC Horn is very confident as well. He said he's the standard of the entire group. But that's good. Far Farley isn't short of, uh, of confidence as well. Uh, but I, I definitely liked him a lot. Um, right here, we got Kyle Neely. He said, just join. What did Atlanta get for Julio Jones? We touched on it. They got a second round this year, a fourth round next year, and they gave back a sixth round pick for the following year. So I like the deal. Can we talk a little bit about why that is, why that's what they got? Because I think initially everything I saw was, wow, like that's that's all they gave up. Like why weren't this team, why wasn't this team? Why do you think, I, I have my idea of why I think it wasn't a crazy um, trading as far as, you know, compensation goes. But why do you think it, it was that? It was the best they got, and it's the AFC. If if someone in the NFC would have offered that, I don't th I think they would have tried to, to move it. I really believe, Croc, I really do. I really believe that they didn't want to keep Julio Jones in the NFC at all. Again, if you're a person who's bringing in Julio Jones, you're a team that's bringing in Julio Jones because you're a contender. You're not trying to rebuild around him. So if you send him to Tennessee, it's like, okay, we got a second, we got a fourth, we'll take it. And he's out of our way. And I don't think anybody really fears the Tennessee Titans having some sort of dynastic run where they run through a bunch of Super Bowls and then everybody looks at Atlanta like, what did you do? So I really, with, with my tinfoil hat on, my conspiracy theory hat, I think it was just they wanted him out of the NFC, Croc. That's it, man. I really think they wanted him out of the NFC. All right, man. Well, shoes, Jason, I appreciate you coming on. That's going to be it for today's episode of Croc Talk TV. Make sure you guys follow Jason. Jason, tell them where they can follow you and find all your stuff. Yeah, at Jason Aponte2103 on Twitter, Jason Aponte on YouTube, and Sprint Ride Option Podcast on Spotify. And tonight, two, two skinny dudes at 9 p.m. with Jared Bailey. So, you know, you can tap in on the channel for that. But um, thank you again, Croc. I appreciate you, bro. Heck yeah, man. And make sure you guys go ahead, follow him on all those different things. Make sure you guys subscribe to this YouTube channel. Subscribe and like this video. I appreciate all the love. You guys keep it coming. Keep coming in here. I'm going to keep the content coming. And we are out. Peace.